0: I said get lost. Now take your big stick and your boyfriend and find the bus to catch.
1: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan.
2: And I'm Greg. A great intro, Tristan. Thanks.
1: Great. We went for speed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Really uh, summed up the the premise. Yeah, at speed. We, we double him back. Double back to Van Damme movie. It is. Do you know what else is?
1: Hard target.
2: Yeah, not bad. Yeah, good. Does he? He doesn't say it. <laughs> he should. Should have.
1: he <laughs> really should. Yeah, yeah, down at works. the bayou. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In that yeah. when it's, when shit's getting real. I'm gonna give them a. Keep going. Our last three reviews (laughs) have had the title Keep Going. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Legends. Although it makes me think people who have seen it for the first time, it sounds like they've just been really supportive. Like, you stick with this This podcasting thing. You guys.
2: Well, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe it's a play. Play on on words. words.
1: Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's a little more playful, slightly more playful. (laughs) Ah, It
1: never gets old. It never gets old. We'll find out soon if it does. Oh, should we do a quick Campaign 2000 update since it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme episode? I think so. So (laughs) short version is we don't have him. No. But we have some ideas. Yes. First, being that there's a Jean-Claude Van Damme Netflix movie soon, still in production, mm-hmm. but we think, hey, well, he's going to be promoting this film. Mm. Perhaps Netflix could put us on the on the promotional tour. And yeah, it'll, stop it'll probably be a, it'll be a virtual tour this time. Exactly. So it just makes sense. We have a captive audience who are Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. Mm-hmm. That's you. Yeah, that's you guys. Yeah. So watch this space. We're going to work on that. We might need your help in um, – you know how like Beyonce's fans, the beehive goes and does things to other people's social media? Can you do that for us to <laughs> 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 Netflix and be like put Van Damme on
2: the thing? Yeah, yeah, guys. Come on. Let's get a bit of um, – let's get a campaign going. Get behind it. Um, the friends of the show have hive. been given a hot lead in, uh, in the social media manager at Netflix's email address. yeah. From our friend, yeah, so that's cool. So we should start spamming him. Should we give his email address <laughs> yeah, out on the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll give the email address. That'll out. help.
1: If you guys could just send all kinds of whatever, I think that will help. Dick pics, yeah. Although, in terms of you know six degrees of JCVD, we've gotten a few degrees closer because we have a guest in an upcoming episode, don't we? Keep going. we uh, we've actually already recorded it, but it's not coming out for a few more weeks. For special Predator. guest. Special guest, Michael Chevello. The voice. The voice.
2: Who was wearing a hat owned by JC. Yeah. So as he said, he had, he didn't say exactly this, but he had <laughs> John claudes DNA on his head. And I like to I think. I think he did say that actually.
1: I think if you got a nice. On his face if you, if you got a kitchen plate and put some cotton wool on there, made it a bit damp. You put the hat on the cotton wool, you might grow a Van Dam out of it.
2: That's yeah. You do that in science in the early yeah, years. Yeah, like
1: I think it works with a carrot or a yeah sprouts. Of a some lot of sort. people
2: are doing it with their vegetable scraps these days. Apparently, yeah. Spring onions, Matt, keen for it.
1: So if you extrapolate out that principle,
2: get yourself a Van Damme, baby. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's our update. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, so we've got him on the show soon, and that's pretty exciting because he, he's he's spoken to everyone. He he talks through some stories about Jean-Claude Van Damme, about Frank Dukes, about Steven Seagal. So that's going to be yeah a fun episode. So, so and, and I feel like it's taken us one step closer to the world of Jean-Claude Van
2: Damme. Well, it definitely. He, he potentially might be hooking us up with Frank Dukes. That's true. Yeah. We're, in the, we're getting in the circle, man. We're, we're getting there. Yeah.
1: We might be reporting on the Kumite soon.
2: I think the Kumite is not running this year because of COVID. Ah, COVID.
1: Virtual Cupertino. They play Street Fighter.
2: <laughs> Aren't you a little <laughs> play, old for video that. games? <laughs> <laughs> it was right there. Yeah, it was, it was right good. there.
1: All right, that's our update. So this movie came out in '93. Do you have a little uh, time capsule?
2: Very little one. Very little one. There's a lot of content to get through for this episode, so I'll keep the 93 reference very Um, And it's a little relevant in that the closing credits of this film has the uh, classic Credence track, Born Mm. on the Bar, you playing. Yeah. Relevant. Yeah. Um, Did you know in 93 Credence Clearwater Revival's record label sued former lead singer John Fogarty because his song The Old Man Down the Road sounded too similar to Run Through the Jungle. I'll run through the jungle. Wait, then what's the two, what's the other one? No, down the road. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. But um, although Fogarty was awarded attorney fees, the judge found that an artist can't plagiarise himself. That other <laughs> song was his, so. Oh. Yeah.
1: I saw him live at Bluesfest oh. back in like two, his voice is the same. yeah. I'm 90% sure, though, when you're singing Bad Moon Rising, that he said, there's a bathroom on the right. Because there was a bathroom on the right and he was pointing there. Really? Yeah, I swear it wasn't. It usually says Bad Moon on the right. Yeah. But he, there's a bathroom he had- on the right. <laughs> I don't remember much of that. <laughs> All right, we'll keep moving. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Big U for John Fogarty by the sounds of it. It was, yeah.
1: Big U for movies too. Um, we've actually covered a lot from we 93. We have, we have. We've, I'm going to, instead of going through the top off. ten and all that kind of shit. Yeah, Hence I'm talking no about John Fogarty's
2: <laughs> dismissed law case.
1: There's no more facts from 93. Um, I'm just going to talk, I'm just going to mention some of the ones we've covered. Yeah, okay. So we've covered Demolition Man, which came in at number 12 in 1993. Keep going. We've covered Cool Runnings, which came in at number 13 in 1993. We covered Nowhere to Run, which came out early 1993, oh, which came in at number
2: 33. Can I just say, you know, you're flying when, you, when you're getting the old Dublin yeah.
1: release? Irish Twins, I believe they're called.
2: Yeah, in, um, in Hollywood. <laughs> Probably. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that was number 33. Number 50, The Sandlot, which we covered quite recently.
2: Mm. No, the Sandlot Kids in Australia.
1: Yeah. But then coming in at number 52, Our Target. Out in August 1993, so that's like six months or so later than, um, than nowhere to run. Budget of $19.5 million, gross of $74.2 million. Directorial debut in the US of Mr. John Woo. We'll get yeah. more into that later. But um, critics and audiences weren't necessarily blown away. Oh, yeah. Crit- what? Critic score of 30%, audience score
2: Ooh. of 32%. Ooh. Our target, indeed. Jeez, I yeah. uh, think I must have watched a different movie.
1: I gotta agree with
2: you. <laughs> was this a big one for you back in the day? Uh, look, it, it's hard to kind of quantify, to be to be frank. Yeah, it was definitely around. Yeah, I actually, if you before I, before we did our research for this, I thought it might have come out a little later.
1: Yeah, because I thought the mullet was a lot later. Yeah, so that but then it makes the, sense that it wasn't. I guess because yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be weird if it was later.
2: Well, or or better, <laughs> yeah, Um, so I can't give you too many specific memories. I absolutely would have watched it a few times. It's not in the caliber of, um, you know, some of the, the earlier classics, mm. but it's uh you know, it's it it's definitely in the solid, and you know what you're getting
1: with some flair, I would say, some which flair, we'll get into. which, but, yeah, yeah. I don't think I saw this. Oh really? I don't think so. It's one of the, there's a few jean Claude Van Damme's ones like this where I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't mm-hmm. know until I put it on. But so yeah, it wasn't a big one for me. I mean some parts of it were familiar, so maybe I just saw it at John O's house or whatever. But Yep. Um the mullet was iconic, but I think it's also in Time Cop, right? I think I think oh, so, yeah. yeah.
2: Time cop was That's bigger more, than this, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I've seen this more. Oh really? Hundred percent. I've seen Time Cop like maybe twice.
1: I've seen it about probably twice, but that's more than this. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Twi- twice. Yeah. Well, should I get into the origin story? I think it's important. Yeah. Is it a good one? It is a great one. Yeah. It's juicy. Origin Story. Three disconnected phenomena converging in an artistic explosion all over the screens. Three disconnected
2: what? Phenomena? Phenomena.
1: Yeah. But before we get into that, just to set the context, it's a John Claude Van Damme episode. Every 10th episode is. Uh Uh-huh. So I need to recap where we've been so far because we're going in chronological order.
2: you got to understand your past. To understand your future. Yeah.
1: So picking up where we left off, it's now 1993. It's August. It's five years after Bloodsport, four years after Cyborg and Kickboxer, three years after Lionheart and Death Warrant. It's getting bigger and bigger still. It's one year after Universal Soldier which as we talked about in the Universal Soldier episode and even in the previous episode with Nowhere to Run, that was sort of his transition from martial arts guy to lap pack.
2: Yeah. Core it was pack. his mini tramp. Yeah, yeah, um.
1: yeah. So he's gone like mainstream lap pack. This is now, you know, a mainstream kind of deal. Um, Nowhere to Run came out, a lot of goodwill after, after Universal Soldier. Did quite well at the box office but critically not so much. And if you ask the Double Impact hosts, not one of his bests. And if you ask the wives of the show, not one of his bests. <laughs> but having said that, he's still on his rapid ascension. Eight movies in five years. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. I,
2: you know, like critics may, critics may pan him. Yeah. I just feel actors don't get enough credit just for remembering their fucking lines. You know, like at what point are they going to say, yeah, look, the performance was, was kind of okay That guy remembered a lot of lines. A lot of lines. A few. Probably not in this film. It's (laughs) not a dialogue heavy one for him. But just generally speaking, that's a broader.
1: So you think there should be more respect just for remembering lines? Yes. Lower the bar is what you say.
2: Well, 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 (laughs) or you're upping the bar. (laughs) In what sense? Respect. (laughs) The respect bar. Uh (laughs) Yeah. They don't have a teleprompter. (laughs) Maybe they do. I don't know.
1: Well, they say Johnny Depp has a little earpiece. Marlon Brando, people had to hold; they had it on their. Thing. Oh, yeah. There's all these stories. So you actually maybe that means you're right. Two great actors can't even remember their lines. So give Jean Claude Van Damme some credit. Thank you. Yeah. I, I okay. Then that's fair. Thanks, man. You Made a fact. Now, interestingly, that's one phenomena: the rapid ascension of Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the world, in Hong Kong. Yeah, you have Mr. John Wu.
2: Yeah,
1: he starts. He starts small. He grows up in a little uh, dangerous area of Hong Kong. That's that's how jungle Clavendem says Hong Kong. I think he he was. Uh, we we hey we did a big deep dive on um, mm-hmm. on the on woo. John on the Wu in the Face Off episode. If you're listening to this episode, there's a strong chance you've listened to that. So I'm not going to recap the whole backstory on this. Or,
2: guy. Yeah, but if you want to enter the Wu.
1: Woo- Check out Face Off. Yeah, it's a good entry point for the woo. It's good to enter the woo there. Yay! Anyway, Mr. John Woo wanted to be an actor. Uh, they said, you know what, you're better off behind the camera. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, podcasts didn't exist then, so yeah. he didn't have. He couldn't be a podcaster. Um, no, but he had an eye. He had an eye and, and he, he was kind of in one of those uh, studios that was sort of a movie factory just pumping out yeah. stuff and he's doing all this stuff he wasn't that interested in and then, the game-changing moment happened in uh, 1986 when he did a remake of an old movie. Uh, I can't remember what it was originally called. Listen to the Face Off episode for that, but they called it a better tomorrow, symbolic of the better tomorrow that they were chasing together, him and his mate, um, Toy something. Damn it. I should have checked that. <laughs> him and his mate. Listen, <laughs> listen to the Face it, Off. Listen to the Face Off if you want all the bloody facts. It reinvented, uh, it reinvigorated a genre. Mm. They call it Gun Fu it 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 brought a whole new bloody style to to Hong Kong movies. The the drama that's
2: somewhat operatic,
1: a uh, uh, Nicholas Cage might say
2: German expressionism. Yeah,
1: yeah, he loves it, and so and he was just rapid firing off bloody classics one after the other, not dissimilar to Jean Claude Van Damme in Hollywood. So, nineteen eighty six, a better tomorrow. Nineteen eighty seven, better tomorrow too. 1989, when Jean-Claude Van Damme's making Kickboxer, this guy's making The Killer. 1990, when Van Damme's making Lionheart, this guy's making Bullet in the Head. Ah. 1991, when Van Damme's making Double Impact, he's making Once a Thief. 1992, when Van Damme's making Universal Soldier, John Woo is making Hard Boiled. And it's from there that he gets his opportunity to take on Hollywood. He'd been approached by various Hollywood types, including Oliver Stone. Nothing mm-hmm. quite panned out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And this is late. He's like 47 at this point. Yep. So he's yep. already had a career. But also the film industry seems to work different in Hong Kong because he wasn't all super cashed up. He moved to Hollywood with his wife at 47
2: with not much. And his buddy, where was his buddy Yun Fat? Yeah. Where was he? be right. just eating eating sweet potato. Oh,
1: apparently he visited him on set here. Um, so Sam Raimi. Uh-huh. Is it is is another random element in this film? So he was involved in in developing this picture. He was a producer technically. So him, mm-hmm. along with the writer Jack Farah <laughs> and jean Claude Van Damme, visited um, John Woo in Hong Kong. I think maybe while they were making Double Impact, that's what I heard, um, to talk about this specific this particular picture, mm-hmm. and um Sam Raimi was a fan of his and they convinced him to do it eventually. He didn't like it right away, but then he was like, oh, I could make a modern Western out of this. This could be good.
2: Ah, he was he the wasn't, old modern Western. Yeah.
1: He wasn't totally into Jean-Claude Van Damme right away. He wanted um Kurt Russell, but eventually wow. he got on board. Uh-huh. Um, but as you remember in the Con Air episode, this, not Con Air, in the face-off episode, this was, it wasn't smooth sailing, like even little things like yeah. language barrier but also cultural barrier. The Americans like to talk. So you're in there trying to make uh, a movie yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. and he's like, I just want to make a modern western. And the whole thing seemed really awkward and they actually got Sam Raimi to just shadow him. And um, it, it sounds kind of shitty to be honest. Mm. He didn't love it, right? He didn't love it but then it turns out Sam Raimi – Loved him and he was totally, he wasn't actually doing anything. He was just letting him do his thing and sort of protecting him, like helping him manage the situation, that kind of shit. Got a bit more on that later. But um, so Jean-Claude Van Damme, star, he's in. John Woo, action director, first time in Hollywood, he's in. Sam Raimi behind the scenes shadowing him, he's in. But what is this movie even about? This is the third f- f- pheno- th- phenomena, Greg. Um, It's based on a book. You know, JCVD loves the classics. Yeah, Corsican Brothers. The Corsican Brothers was the inspiration for Double Impact. If you're not familiar with that, it's 19th century French. Novella. Novella. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think this was based on a short story. Does that count as a novella? So this was based on a short story by Richard Connell called The Most Dangerous Game, which in turn had been turned into... 15 different movies over the years. And I think even more if you'd loosen the definition, basically any movie where rich people are hunting poor people, there's quite a lot of them. So, yeah, so this has been turned into at least 15 different movies. The very first one, handily called The Most Dangerous Game, was released in 1932. So I thought, why don't we play the trailer for that because that sounds delightful.
0: Welcome to my poor fortress. This is Mr. Robert Rainsford, who hunts big game so adventurously. The We barbarians know that it is after the chase, and then only, that man revels. That's the savages' idea everywhere. One night as I lay in my tent, a terrible thought crept like a snake into my brain. Hunting was beginning to bore me. What I needed was not a new weapon, but a new animal. You found one? Half-drowned men from ships, you drive them out to be hunted. And if one eludes me only till sunrise, he wins the game. You murdering him. Brad. I'm a hunter, not an assassin. You killed him. Precisely, yes. We can keep ahead of him that long. Coming down. One passion builds upon another. To date, I have not lost. Here on my island, I hunt the most dangerous game.
2: The title. Ah, yes. They've been doing it for years, it seems. Mm. Fascinating.
1: So it's basically the same movie.
2: Yeah. What what
1: writer? Please copy paste. Set in New Orleans. You give yourself a picture. Green light. Let's fast track this one. So the guy that actually adapted it for the big screen, Chuck Furrer. Yeah. He also wrote Dark Man. He also wrote Barb Wire. Yes, I did see that. So he's a Razzie winning um screenwriter. He also wrote The Jackal. Where I believe Bruce Willis had a little moustache and some glasses. <laughs> he did
0: have a little moustache.
1: I remember it was supposed to be disguised, but he's such a distinct looking human that that's not
2: going to fool anyone. <laughs> and uh, didn't he?
1: Doesn't he shoot off Jack Black's hand? I never saw it.
2: You never saw the jackal.
1: Never seen the trailer. And going nah. <laughs> really? I don't think it was the right time for me. I think I would enjoy it now, probably. I think we need to do it. Soon. Right, let's do it. Um. Uh, he also was involved, I think, in the early drafts of the Green Hornet. So spotty record, but hey, he brought us this bit of magic and he had the genius, like, oh, skipping ahead slightly, but it's worth mentioning I think here, we'll revisit it later. He had the bright idea of setting it in New Orleans purely because of Jean-Claude Van Damme's accent, so respect.
2: Ah, he's found it.
1: Nine movies in and he's the first one to fucking nail that, so respect.
2: I thought you were going to say he had the bright idea of having Van Damme knock out a snake.
1: Well, that's another bright idea, isn't it? He was full of ideas, this guy. Mm-hmm. At least He's an ideasman. He's an ideasman. And the idea of Wilford Brimley as <laughs> yes, his uncle is great. The
2: prospector. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's got the great red full-body underwear or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> prospector. <laughs> All right, that's just my, to round out cast. Uh, obviously you've got, you got Jean-Claude Van Damme as Chance Boudreau. Chance. Chance you got Lance Henriksen as <laughs> Emile Fouchon. <laughs> you got Arnold Vosloo as Pick Van Cleef, who I believe is the mummy. Yes. Yancey Butler as Natasha Nat Binder. The writer, Chuck Ferrer, I'm just going to keep evolving. i pronounce how his name. Chuck even. He was the guy that died in the beginning, the father of Nat. Oh. He played the dad, yeah. How cool was that? Yeah, wrote himself in there. Why not, hey? It was I good. Know. Died well. He made it to the water. He did. Cassie or Casey Lemons as um, the detective. I misspelled it here because it doesn't look like a name. Something Lemons. Mitchell. Um, and Wilford Brimley is Uncle Duvy. Duvay? Who knows? I can't wait to talk a bit more about Wilford Brimley um, <laughs> and diabetes and such. Uh, but let's play the trailer.
0: In the city of New Orleans, in a darker side of Dixie, away from the music and the lights, there's a new game in town. You'll be provided with a guide, trackers, and the weapons of your choice. I need to file a missing person report. The competitors are deadly. We pride ourselves in hunting only combat veterans, men who have the necessary skills to make our hunts more interesting. They always win. You want to find your father? Get somebody who knows the city to show you around. Now the opposition is about to get one last chance. What kind of a name is Chance? My mama took one. My friend, Mister Boudreaux, Silver Star Marine Force Recon. He's obviously not someone we should underestimate. an annoying little insect. I want stepped on hard. We need to get out of here now. Ladies first. What? These men will chase after you. Are you mad at you for business or pleasure? Both. Look at it this way. You're gonna get to meet Elvis? Give it a rest, pal. Jean-Claude Van Damme is The Hard Target. You miss me? From internationally acclaimed action director, John Wool. Ask Bill to be hunted. You tell me. Hard Target.
1: Not a bad trailer there.
2: That's a good trailer. It's good.
1: But I'd love to hear your take on this one, Greg. Yeah, I've I've
2: I've just thrown down a bunch of words. Oh, yeah. Um so there's a lady in a yep. drop top mm. we call them convertibles. Yeah. She's looking for her estranged father. Coincidentally, he was murdered last week. You see, he was homeless mm. down on his luck. Yeah. On Skid Row. Yeah. And there's these dickheads that have taken bum fights to a whole new level. Assholes. Which is impressive because it's 1993 and bum fights hasn't even been invented yet. Mm. So these bad guys are preying on the destitute, offering them money to play a game to make it to a flag to get ten grand. Only challenge is you got some rich guy who's bored of hunting big game. He wants the ultimate trophy. Human being. So they pay $500,000 to Lance and Mixon and the mummy from the mummy. <laughs> but they weren't expecting for this guy's daughter to come snooping around. Yeah. And they weren't expecting her to be randomly saved by a group from a group of thugs by a guy called Chance Odreau. <laughs> Did I mention we're in Louisiana, New Orleans? Backstory solved. Yeah. Did I mention her name was Natasha? Well, it is. <laughs> Natasha hires Chance so she can pay for his lapsed sea license thing. <laughs> yeah. Did I mention he was a seaman? <laughs> Well, he is. Greg had a big smile on his
1: face. He's very happy with And rightly so. <laughs> I did like that the whole plot kicked off because he needed 200
2: bucks. Yeah, $270. That was kind of <laughs> cool, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it was nice. It was yeah. tight. It was tight. Yeah. Um, I assume it's also a love story, but they don't really kiss. Apparently, there is a rumoured longer cut
1: in which there was perhaps a love scene. Um,
2: but, yeah, I was expecting – I was waiting for it. Yeah, because there's some certain criteria <laughs> that needs to be met when we do a JCD film, which we'll need to cover at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bit on that. Um, and, you know, like a, getting his buns out is, is – did not I didn't, Did he have any swims in any lakes here or – Nope. It's, um, it's disappointing
1: scandalous. and he's got something to say about it, which I'll get into a bit later when we do the, the old JCD test because – it's, it's almost like he's trying to change his image.
2: Wow. Ah. Mm.
1: What about my buns up here? My ice. My word buns. My word buns. <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> oh, geez. He's an actor.
2: He remembers all his lines. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. knows when to take his pants off <laughs> and when to leave them on. <laughs> exactly. More importantly,
1: when to leave them on. Now, how was the rewatch for you?
2: Um, it was very interesting. Yeah, I think having studied Face Off <laughs> a few weeks ago yeah, um, and The Great Woo, it just gave me a lot more context of what the fact was going on in this thing.
1: Agree. I kept wondering what would I be thinking of this if we hadn't just really gotten in the woos, entered the world yeah. a few weeks earlier.
2: Yes, obviously like his love of Western, his love of slow-mo and birds and all the other little tropes. Yeah.
1: Even yeah, the other doves.
2: It was all there. Pigeons. Yeah.
1: And the doves even, like, showed him a
2: clue. They did. They, <laughs> <"Cluh>, clue, clue. <laughs>
1: oh, that would be um, sick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tip if they, if they spoke. <laughs> uh, That would be so good. Uh, how was yours? I like if that was
1: JC Viddy's note on the scene. I think you should be telling <laughs> Pitching.
2: Doxting. <laughs> <laughs> like the snake. He's like Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> but a semen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now we're talking. Sam Raimi was there to, to help and he didn't pick up on any of these things. Yeah, it's,
2: it's weird. Hmm. It's obvious stuff.
1: Very obvious. Um, yeah, I had an interesting rewatch. It took me a while to kind of get in the zone. Yeah, First yeah. First I was, I couldn't tell if I liked it, hated it. And then I think I, I I warmed to it eventually, especially around the halfway point once the action kicked in and I was yeah. like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. once it kicks. It's
2: back-weighted.
1: Yeah. And I think um, in terms of my first impression, but it is, it is quite slow at the beginning. I do love New Orleans as the the setting though. Mm-hmm. I mean you might even say New Orleans is the main character.
2: Yeah, it is one of. Yeah.
1: But in saying that, it is the beginning, It, it a lot hinges on – Jean Claude Van Damme's acting, which I, to be honest, as this sounds sacrilegious, I found a little lacking in this, this picture. Oh. And you know me, I'm a big fan of his acting. I think he's got more heart than a lot of the other action stars. Mm-hmm. He's very expressive. No, do you know? No, yeah, he's got the, he's got that. But in this, he, he didn't. All the, the scenes in the diner and stuff, and he's, I felt like every time he's talking to someone, nothing comes out the right way or something.
2: Did he feel a little absent for you? Maybe I don't think we're getting you know the real. Yeah, it's great. I wasn't getting moment. the feels from him. Yeah, I, you know I didn't notice that. Remember at Maybe Lionheart. I got so many feels from him in Lionheart. Yeah, he's good at walking with his shoulders hunched, mm. looking poor. Yeah,
1: he could have done that in
2: this. It was poor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. So so okay. So that when did that start to?
1: Once it got into more action. Yeah, when he started. to he was less people. relying on. Dialogue.
2: Um, Let's talky more kiki.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's more kiki. And yeah, New Orleans was good. Um, Lance Henriksen was great. That piano scene. What the <laughs> that was amazing. That was yeah. That's what I do. I pictured Except that. I just was play how you the same that. three chords over and over again. Yeah.
2: I pictured so he basically is sitting in a in a opulent looking room, playing his piano as his world's starting to get compromised. Staring at himself, dead in the eye as he played. I think in he mouths mirror. to
1: himself, "I'd fuck me." Does he? No, but he should because it, it's quite it's believable. Yeah, it's good. It's it's like, and I think that's it's actually that's probably the moment I think where I started going, "Oh wait, I'm kind of digging what yeah, is happening here." Yeah, because yeah, in the beginning, combination of that acting and some of the John Woo ness coming through, but you Not haven't fully immersed yourself yet. Yeah, and so the slow-mo and the weird fade-ins and fade-outs. It looked like at one point it was fading to go to a commercial. Like mm. it had that weird fade and it yep. felt like a soap opera a bit but not so over the top that it felt like a full heightened woo thing. It just felt yeah, like a midday soap opera in the beginning a little bit.
2: Like days of um, my life. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, yeah, then, then from that point I think Henriksen elevates it a lot. He's good. The only thing is there were a couple moments where I was like, oh, Just felt like his mate, Elijah. Is that Elijah? Yeah. The guy that gets killed about halfway through. Mm -hmm. As soon as, because you meet him in the beginning when the chick talks to him. Yeah. But then as soon as Van Damme goes there and talks to him, I just got this sinking feeling in my chest like, oh, that guy's going to die. Oh, you did? Yeah. And then when he nearly got away in the hunt in the middle, I was like, oh, this is great. It's fully subverted my expectations. Then he died. (laughs) He
2: did and he died on the street.
1: And how do you hide that? Like everyone saw it and the guy that just came over and was like.
2: That was an interesting play on society though, wasn't it? Commentary I should say. Yeah, that's a good point actually. No one cares. Real American psycho type.
1: Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where you like to think that you would help him but in the reality of it, would you? You? We're talking about the scene. So this guy's been hunted all through New Orleans. He's made it back. He's he's almost won, and he he's made it back to like the crowded areas of New Orleans, probably like maybe Bourbon Street or something. And um, he's asking people to help him, but he looks like a homeless man and he's like stumbling because he's been beaten up. And people are just kind of ignoring him and ignoring him and looking the other way. And it's yeah. very very sad. He gets popped he gets popped in front of everyone and no one really cares.
2: Yeah, and look, I did say, you know, we've been to Bourbon Street. Yeah. Together. We went on there with the wives of the show. Yeah. A couple of other buddies. Yeah. Uh, that street was pretty hectic. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that particular street. It was a little hectic. I don't reckon. I didn't see anyone get shot there. No, I don't reckon you could stand in the middle of that street and cop 20 bullets and. Nah. Someone's going to cop a stray bullet, A, because there's just bodies already yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Super loose.
1: Agree. Yes, Greg and I did go to New Orleans. We ate turtle soup. We ate turtle soup. We had an alligator burger. We went on the bayou. Yeah, we did. Punched a snake. Mm hmm. Well, touched the,
2: touched the tail of an alligator.
1: No, we didn't. We held him. I held him. We held him. I was scared and
2: shitless. We held him. He I felt really so was. nice.
1: Yeah, I wasn't very comfortable I with it. I think that you got a all. good photo with it, though. Yeah, I did. It was fun though. Fucking New Orleans was great. And yeah, I was, was only there great. for – I think I was only there for two nights in the end because I had to yeah. go back to work or something. Yeah. And I never went back.
2: The whole were you there enough. maybe one night?
1: Yeah. I think it was one night. Yeah.
2: Because I remember the, yeah, the second night.
1: Because the second night you found the cooler places. The yeah, first night we, we, we were in the basic street, French shit. Quarter. Or, no, what yeah. is it? French and Street? You just had to yeah. go a bit further. Like we were just nearly there the I yeah. before.
2: The music. Uh, oh, tell God. God. I tell I you. I tell you. I probably drank too much though. I think we were, we were those – Cliché tourists, Yeah, drank too much, held up the two of us in the morning to go to the bayou because we were yeah. slept in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Memories. No children.
1: <laughs> hey, but how about the action in this movie? That's when, I, that's when it really, it, you really like, okay, now I'm watching a John Woo movie. Like the, the motorbike surfing.
2: Oh, the motorbike Spectacular. surfing. Spectacular. The
1: mullet flowing. We haven't talked about the mullet really yet either. Oh, yeah. The way it just flows in the wind. Flows. It's very
2: wet though, that mullet. Well, it's hot down there. It's the humidity,
1: isn't it? You don't have a mullet. Oh, I think it's – a wet mullet is a good look. I think he might be using hair extensions. Maybe. Because it's the same year as Nowhere to Run. Oh. And I've seen him – we've we've seen him do the promo tour for Nowhere to Run and so by every way I can look at the different timings – he had short hair and everything else around this movie. Now, I haven't cut my hair for six months. Yeah. there There's six months between these movies. I haven't cut my hair for six months. I ain't got that. Yeah, but you know what? What? You're not Jean-Claude. That's true. He can do many things. Because of karate and strong legs, I can grow my hair. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> now you're getting it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, should we get into the JCVD, JCVD test yeah, I think we should. Because it is, you know, we can talk about our initial impressions, we can talk about all the other areas, but there's really one test that kind of helps us, helps us capture just how JCVD-ish this film is.
2: Exactly. So if you're listening for the first time, this is our patented JCVD test. We run through all the, all the movies we review with JCVD in them. Yeah. We
1: wrote this um, synopsis of all Jean-Claude Van Damme movies before we even started this podcast, and largely it's held true. We'll read it out. Uh, Right now So every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Unfolds as follows Jean-Claude Van Damme plays an American Air quotes Who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land On a quest to seek revenge for a fallen loved one At the hands of morally corrupt racial stereotypes But he's about to find out Training to fight his enemy means facing the enemies within and slowly doing the splits, he also gets his buns out. Now, I found a few areas lacking here, Greg. The accent one is golden, that's great. He's he's an American, he this is the most legit American Van Damme we've ever been um presented with because mm-hmm. it's from the bio.
2: But the buns, <laughs> <laughs> you, weren't st- you weren't gonna step through them, you just went straight to them.
1: Well, that's the next one I had on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, okay, I'll, I'll bundle a couple here because no We're splits either. Him.
2: Well, he does, I mean, he does do oh, some, like a kick. Yeah, thing. but there's no, like, <clears throat> splits.
1: Yeah, no real splits. Well, so the buns is interesting because I stumbled across this clip on Arsenio promoting this picture. Someone's got to make a documentary about Arsenio and Jean-Claude Van Damme, the interviews or whatever, you know? Mm. You know how they do that with, like, Dick Cavett and John Lennon or whatever? There's... There's so many. Anyway, the buns issue.
0: Um, I, I, I was curious after reading this. Von Damme is not an ass. Yeah. I'm not sure where they... what uh, <laughs> <laughs> It means be, because maybe in uh, Hard Target, I'm not showing my, uh, my butt. Oh! Yeah, I show more of a... Um, maybe more acting and more action than my buttocks. Oh, yeah, because you, you've shown I your buttocks be- in every film. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, and before <laughs> this. Yeah, two movies. Don't push your luck, pal. Wait, I'm, Okay, wait. I'm trying to think. You showed your butt. Um, what time you finish? I'll wait for him in the parking lot. <laughs> but you know that that's part of it. I mean, yeah, you're I mean, a wonderful I, martial I, artist, and right. and the air sells tickets too. You know.
1: He said he's only shown his butt in two movies. That we know, that's not true. <laughs> He got really weird about it, like kind of defensive. So it seems like there's a conscious decision to like no more step butt. away from the butt.
2: Well, he's an actor.
1: Yeah, he did get. It was weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Splits, not really. <coughs> it's a bit of a pain, actually. No, I pressed. It. Um, high waisted blue pants. Yeah, man, we're squarely in the denim era here, so they're high waisted, oh,
2: and it's a, it's a Canadian tuxedo.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've decided. I was going to make an Instagram post out of this, but then I spent an hour making that other one with uh, the, <laughs> the mullets and the fires and the slow mo's. Worth it. But um, sort of these, um, the pleated pants era versus the denim era. I think they're like distinct periods.
2: Yeah, we are in denim town. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I like it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you almost don't need the buns out with the denim. Yeah. <laughs> he wears a fitted denim.
1: He sure does. High denim for kicking. Yeah, it
2: was a bit higher than this week. In mm. nowhere,
1: but I think that counts. They're high waisted, you know.
2: They're high, definitely high waisted.
1: Yeah. Um, mysterious foreign land. Yes and no. I mean, genuinely, before we even got to this test, as I was watching it, I was thinking, man, New Orleans is so interesting. And when we went there, I was like, it does kind of feel like a different country yeah. to the rest of the US in some ways. Um, so it it's kind of a foreign land in in a way.
2: You're allowed to get beers to go. That's
1: pretty foreign to me. And then racial stereotype, not so much. Although the mummy kind of, was, yeah. yeah, he's an
2: angry, uh, angry evil South, South African. African. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty... Don't yeah. take Jason down and kill him. I <laughs> in the big game.
1: <laughs> that's good.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Can't say thank you
1: though. Um, so, I mean, that's up there with... That's a few passes there. But yeah. I think the buns and the splits are kind of golden.
2: It's a, if they're important ingredients into the into the van Dam Pie.
1: And they play into, I think, the the John Woo aesthetic. They could work.
2: They could, buns off. Yeah. Could yeah. have done a Buns off one.
1: So look, I'm not I'm not I'm a little disappointed. Not angry about that. I'm a little disappointed. Seems that way.
2: Yeah. It's coming through.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, there was rumor that there was kind of a, a two hour cut of this movie. Um, and it got edited down and there's all these varying stories of what got edited The main story is that it got edited down so it could get an R rating. Yep. But then there's another story that it got edited by Jean-Claude Van Damme to have more Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. Oh. So apparently in this other cut, it might have a lot more Lance Henriksen, like almost as if he's the main
2: character. Which
1: is interesting. I kind of believe that could exist because there's a period in the middle where Jean-Claude Van Damme's not in it for ages. Like when his mate's been hunted. Yeah. It's, that's just like a separate movie almost. Mm. And I kind of like it because when Jean-Claude comes back, like, oh, yeah, it's like a, it's been a while.
2: Can <laughs> um, you get your buns out?
1: Yeah, get, it's been a while. Show me them buns. <laughs> um, but he did not comply. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, John Woo says he's he was, he does prefer that cut. So
2: there's. Which cut? The, Hen- the, the original cut. The Hendrickson cut.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was reading an interview earlier where he's like, you know, if the, if the studio is up for it, I'd want to revisit that. Um, but that was a few years ago. This week. Has not happened. Oh. Yeah. Where's the woo now? Um, oh, he's released a bunch of things recently that I haven't paid much attention to. He did a remake of The Killer with Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, yeah? I think. That's, that's pretty cool. But, um... I think it's also you know we've done a few Jean-Claude Van Damme movies now nine. This is our ninth Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I noticed an interesting trend. Well, two. One I already pointed out his love for literature. Yes, he loves doing a film inspired by the classics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Of course. But second, secondly, he's been a lot of people's firsts when they came out.
2: (laughs) Probably has. has.
0: Keep going.
1: Roland Emmerich's first American movie, uh-huh. Universal Soldier. David S. Goyer's first film that he wrote that got made, Death Warrant. We don't like that guy. John Woo's first US movie, Hard Target. Mm. So this guy is making things happen for up and coming yeah. creative types. Good on him. Give him some respect. Yep. But as we mentioned, there there was... The the transition for John Woo specifically here, as much as a a great opportunity he was presented with with Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, there were some challenges. But I found this really cool article talking about the relationship between Sam Raimi and John Woo on the set. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of different reports of like, well, actually Sam Raimi secretly directed it or, you know, all these bullshit Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. This is John Woo talking about Sam Raimi. He says I was very impressed with him. I liked his work and I found he was a man with a big passion for film. He gave me a lot of great respect and support in many ways. Like I'd never known, oh yeah, this is a good one. Like I'd never known that movie stars in Hollywood had so much power. They had final cut approval, final draft approval, lots of final approvals, and I was so shocked because in Hong Kong the director is everything. The director has so much freedom to do whatever he wants. So so while I was cutting the film with my editor Van Dam wanted to do another cut with the chief editor from the studio behind my back. Of course I was so upset. I'm paraphrasing here. It's not right. This is my movie. I should own the cut. And Sam actually backed him up and arranged a meeting, got everyone together, uh, producers and the editors. He was screaming at people saying this is a John Woo movie. Let John Woo do his work. So that kind of refers to what I was talking about before with the rumor of did Jean-Claude Van Damme have the final cut on the edit and that kind of yeah. shit. But Sam Raimi had his back, so I reckon that's a lovely
2: story. Isn't that a lovely story? Yeah, it is. It's a nice insight as well. Yeah. Into yeah. the workings.
1: It is. I've got a little clip of um, Sam Raimi talking about John Woo here. John Wu's become a cult figure to many modern
0: American uh, writers and filmmakers, and I think it's a reputation that's well-deserved. Uh, they're passionate about his visuals and uh, his sense of pace, and really the way he approaches sequences are very different. As different as when Hitchcock first approached suspense, John Woo is to action what Hitchcock was to that. John himself is such a sedate and quiet and well-mannered person that I fear for him in Hollywood. I think, even though I'm the producer of the film, uh, one of the producers of the film, that John's style will be compromised in making an American picture.
1: What Hitchcock is to suspense and horror, Woo is to action. I dig that. That's a nice way to put it. It's a lovely way to put it. So I love this little, this mutual respect between these guys. It's lovely to see. It is lovely. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, he was the first Asian director to, to direct a Hollywood film,
2: Hollywood studio
1: film. Really? Yeah.
2: In 93.
1: Yeah. And probably was the only one for a while.
2: Yeah. He Isn't was, that interesting? He was the guy, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was the guy. Uh, speaking of um, his uh, Hitchcock-esque... Mm. Um, style, yes. significance. Mm. The man does have a trope or two attached to him. He sure does. Um, so perhaps we should have a little chat through those. Clue. Clue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted someone to edit into every John movie.
2: <laughs> clue. Clue. Um, so clue giving doves. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Hey, I found a, a website on the internet ah, called allthetropes.org.
1: Ah, when it's got it for all kinds of things? Yeah, I feel oh, like we will be using the this in there. future. Um, end of the show.
2: Yeah, so they do go through John Woo's tropes um, and there's a hearty list attached to this film as well. So I'm going to call some of these out. We can probably, you know, either just go, oh, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Excellent. So there's a long list here. Um, I will skip to the good ones. The bottomless magazine. Bottomless magazine. Uh one of the guns that Charles acquires. Oh, he basically puts yeah, of an course. extended mag, you know, like which is basically there's more bullets yeah. in the gun, which apparently he does quite regularly, which is his way of saying, Oh no, that gun's just gonna keep shooting. <laughs> it's not running out of bullets. Yeah. The dramatic gun cock.
1: Oh yeah.
2: And no, uh, we don't mean Dust till Dawn style. Yeah. You mean the ch Yeah. Uh slow-mo. The gun? Oh yeah. The slow-mo. Yeah. Slow-mo's a big one. What's the two gun? Yeah, yeah, the double gun. Apparently that was his the, yeah, the two
1: Yeah, the two pistols. I know he said Barada. It's not it's not holding two soft cheeses. <laughs> Berettas. Berettas? Sorry <laughs> two Beratas. I'd go some Barada. Go yeah. for these are very fragile. Berata has no Break structural integrity. Break the skin is it's a gooey mess.
2: Fire imagery. Fire imagery is a huge one, obviously. Yeah. Walking away from fire. (laughs) Yeah. In this case, there's a good somersault from Van Damme through the fire. Yeah. Somersault, a forward flip through the fire, um, really allowed the mullet to dance. It's true. It's true. Sorry, I was joining. It's true. (laughs) <laughs> the mullet did dance
1: I did dance And there there was oh, I was watching a clip One of the editors I think he was an editor Or maybe a cameraman or something Basically John Woo sets up all these cameras For every shot And mm. so there'll be He does lots of quick cuts within any given scene So there'll be like within Two minutes of footage Like 50 cuts or something Which is crazy for a movie mm-hmm. But for him it works Because it's doing all those little things mm. It feels cohesive It doesn't feel yes. like you're just Jumping Watching
2: around. a series of things. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because you've got the fires and you've got the mullets flowing in the breeze. And you've got on. the jumping in slow motion with two guns. Well, maybe they only had one gun in this one. Maybe a
2: clue. Yeah, clue, in the background. Clue. Yeah. Uh, lots of explosions, obviously. Uh, the unflinching walk, strut, away uh, Yeah, trouble. Mm. Uh, the villainous breakdown. Yeah. So we watch, uh, we watch Lance. Mm. descend into some form of madness, yeah yeah, yeah, as his world falls apart, yeah, that was quite that was quite good, yeah, that was good, and um he's it's termed here the wicked, cultured but effect, effectively he's saying um the cultured bad guy, so in this instance fushon is evident by playing his intense piano playing, ah uh, yeah, cultured bad guy,
1: yeah, interesting, what about snake punching is that in there um so- <laughs> Because that's actually one of the one things I did know about this movie got into was the snake punching. I think and that it, it was kind of sets can, a different it, movie. It's,
2: set in, it's that's in a bunch of highlight reels, isn't it? Yeah, of yeah. Like, film montages. And so, yeah, montages. so it sets
1: an expectation of a very different movie. So I think I was not. It took me a while to adjust to what it actually was.
2: It's pretty hilarious. To it's have in the middle of the movie. It's, <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> no. Um, I did enjoy the final hunt you know, yeah. sequence. And I, I think too. that the, the JC knocking out the rattlesnake is probably a highlight. Yeah. Because he then rips off its tail. Yeah. So he can then use that rattlesnake that he's just knocked out once it wakes up Yeah, in a booby trap. Yeah, in a booby trap. And he gets one of the hunter guys.
1: And he gives the rattle to a baby. Well, I'm going to
2: assume. I would assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <Hey>, baby. <laughs> he rigged up that whole trap for... Very quickly. I'll
1: and after recently watching Predator, I felt like we would we could have been given a bit more of... 100%. Kevin McAllister setting up the traps kind of montage. Did you feel that? Montage. Yeah. I
2: felt that. I was like, oh, are we going to get like a yeah. hunter becomes the hunted? Yeah, because
1: there was one trap. And then the other trap just seemed to be Wilford Brimley blowing up his own house. Yeah, What kind of trap is that? That's his house. He's obviously the, the, it looks very lived in. That's yeah. his
2: home. Yeah.
1: That he's lived in forever. I was
2: asking, was that like he's hunting like perch but...
1: I it seemed know, to be I, his house, and he had his moonshine out the front. He it blew the whole thing up everything. very without hesitation.
2: That's the kind of uncle you want. What a great uncle!
1: He was great in this, and I don't—I didn't know a lot about him before this. I know he passed away recently. Yeah, last week. Yeah, and, oh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Now, oh, the maybe. first, yeah, so. yeah. And JCVD even posted about it. We didn't post about it because I didn't really know him. Yeah. And I didn't want to just jump on a bandwagon, but. Respect he's, to the guy. He's jumped on a few bandwagons. But now
0: him.
1: <laughs> well but now I'm sold. I love this guy. Um A, he was great in this. It was a much needed little, you know, Character. extra spice yeah. in the second half of the movie. A bit
2: of a Cajun spice. It, oh, and the accent was Off. awesome. But fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it changed a bit. Yeah, I couldn't it and morphed. because
1: and because I didn't know how he normally talks, it was interesting to go, well, what is this like? Mm. Is this? Is, does he sound like this?
2: Is that what they sound yeah. like? Deep in the bayou?
1: Yeah, like I don't know. I got. A, I did a little research on him, and I think. It? I think the thirty percent, the American friends of the show, are probably very familiar with um, Wilfrid Brimley. But for the Australians and, and the others in the room, um, me, he's got a really interesting story. So he was an ex-marine. Uh, he did a bunch of different things. He was a bodyguard for Howard Hughes for a while. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, and then he started becoming. An extra in a bunch of westerns, yeah, and then from there evolved in sort of evolved into sort of a character actor and was in lots of things, including this. Um, but it was also a spokesperson for a couple of things. <laughs> um, the first being diabetes, which was the first moment I realized, oh, I do know this guy. It's the diabetes guy because he became a bit of a meme. Yeah, they even yeah. did it on Family Guy. Yeah, um, this is the this is the clip in question. It goes for a long time. I'll try and skip to the diabetes bit.
0: Good morning. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about diabetes and how it's affected me in my life.
2: This reminds me of Hugo doing this. Yeah,
1: yeah. A friend of ours used to say it all the time. He was diabetic, too. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I got the diabetes. And we,
1: we laugh, and it is funny the way he says it, but it's actually a legend. Like He was really good at Running this stuff and helping the diabetic community and that kind of shit.
2: Because we pronounce that word differently in Australia, which is for us. They do in America
1: too. Oh, really? really? (laughs) Because that's why it became became like a thing because no one says that. (laughs) Um, But he also was the spokesman for Quaker Oats. Ah, good people. From all the way back in, I think the first one was 87 or something. Quakers? Yeah, this is one of the first very basic ads in (laughs) these days.
0: I got an idea for you. Tonight, before you turn in, put the Quaker Oats next to the microwave. That way you can't miss it in the morning. Sometimes you want a good breakfast, you need a system. Quaker Oats. It's the right thing to do and the easy way to do it.
2: <laughs> he made, he- <laughs> Eat the fucking oats. Yeah. And he made
1: those ads for like 20 years or something.
2: What a what a hack he's giving people there in the mo- I know. Put it out. <laughs> At night, you know, there's behavioural economics behind that. Some really
1: good, yeah. It's like my boxes on the fridge that I cross off after I go to the
2: gym. Yeah, I, you know, pack your bag before the the next morning. I get my gym clothes out and wear your suit to bed. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Wow. Now my favourite, because he was also a musician, of course, Um, because he's an interesting guy. Now, did you ever watch The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson? That was before yes. James Corden took over. He was a great interviewer. Yeah.
2: he's
1: a great interviewer.
2: Oh, where's he gone?
1: Um, well, James Corden took over. what
2: happened? I think he wanted… To he, go back to Scotland.
1: Oh, I think he wanted Letterman's gig and then he didn't get that. And he was like, oh, all right, I'm out of here.
2: Back to Scotland.
1: Because he played after Letterman. Oh, he's still in the US. Ah, back to… But he, did the, he does this thing at the end of, every, end of every interview. At the end of every interview, he says to the guest, now, would you would you like an awkward silence or a or the mouth organ? And it's always just an awkward thing he does. But when he had Wilford Brimley on, it went slightly differently.
2: Oh, if only we had that clip now.
1: Oh, oh, oh do we ever.
0: Yeah, it says, Wilford Brimley, everybody, we'll be right back. It's the kind of thing, they put it up on the camera because they think, I can't remember who I'm talking to or what the-. <laughs> I know. Well, I tell you, you're a nice young fellow, and I'm That's enjoying nice. this conversation with you. Well, it's nice to talk to you too, Wilford. I, I'm, I'm very, very happy that you came here. I'm a big fan of your work, you know. Well, we have a, we have something of a tradition here, sir. Usually at the end of the interview, I offer up the uh, option of an awkward pause, a mouth organ, or a uh, go for a big cash <laughs> prize. Any of these three options interest you? Do you want to give me something? Yeah, I could give you an awkward pause. I can give you a mouth organ to play, or I can uh, give you a big cash, a chance. Give me the mouth organ. Is he shred? Right. <laughs> can you play? If you if you can play, you get to win the golden mouth organ, which is a great honor. And I'm not kidding you; it's a really cool mouth organ. But you got to be able to play. You do. Yeah. <laughs>
2: He's
1: like, finally I got something. <laughs> he seems like a legend. That whole interview. He just seems so a delightful. Lovely man. Yeah. He's he's up there now. He's one of my guys as a you know, one of the other people knowing, but for me as a personal discovery, I'm glad I found that guy. Yeah,
2: thank you. And I think, you know, it's just a reoccurring trend. It's the it's the ones that have had a life before Hollywood.
1: Yeah. They're the ones that get you... Yeah. Or the ones that have just been around for ages, like Figner, William Figner. Oh, yeah. He's just been in lots of stuff.
2: <laughs> I like to think he had a life before Hollywood. Yeah. Maybe he was Howard Hughes' son's bodyguard.
1: Maybe he was. We'll never know. We will never know. We'll never know.
2: Uh, I would say, you know, we talked about John Wu's style. He was quite clear that he was a man who could appreciate the art form that is Van Damme's kicks. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, then you got the spinny kick there, uh, the shooty, shooty, kicky, kicky shoot. Yeah. Kick, kick, shoot, kick. To take the guy off the motorbike kick, kick the guy off the car kick, shoot the man eight times and then seal the deal with a spinny jump kick. Uh, it's a very unique combination of bullets and head kicks, which is very effective. Yeah. You know, I just want to talk a bit more about the kick in general, you know? Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the. Uh, it's one of the natural wonders of the world, the Van Damme kick. Van Damme's
1: kick yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, and and I think uh, I was, it just makes it look so easy. We both commented when we saw it, when we met him. When yeah, we, when we hung out for six seconds, You sure did. And as we waited in line with all the other people, mm. the other plebs like us. Yeah, I, we saw him like limbering up backstage, and he was very light, wasn't he?
1: Very loud on his like feet. Like a feather. Like a feather, yeah. And the muscle,
2: he's still stacked. He's still a muscly man. He was just like.
1: Like I feel like if I jumped up and down the way he did, you would hear thump, thump, thump. Yeah. But he did in such a he way. He was just like. Very graceful.
2: Very, very graceful. He obviously did ballet. He did a lot of the ballet. Mm. You know, he was—he makes these kicks look easy. So it got me thinking, mm. how hard is it to do these kicks? Mm. Fortunately for all the wannabe Van Damme fans out or where Van Damme Wannabes out there. Yes. There's YouTube, baby. YouTube. Tutorials are plenty. I found a nice tutorial to do the jumpy, spinny, splitty, backy kicky.
1: Oh, the fronty, splitty, backy kicky.
2: Yeah, the signature. Uh. This is the main kick. So, this guy is a guy called Brian Lee. If you uh, have the gram and you like all things showy martial arts, check out Brian Lee. This guy's pretty special.
0: Guys, uh first things first, so before you learn this kick, you gotta know how to do a spinning hook kick
2: first. You gotta do a spinning okay? hook yeah, kick spinning first. Hook can, hook you kick. can you do that? Be sure to check yeah. out
0: my spin hook kick tutorial I'll put it right Maybe
2: here. Watch and spin hook let's watch the tutorial. What really makes a difference between a
1: normal jump uh jump spinning hook kick to the Van Dam one is that Van Dam lifts up his non-kicking leg as well. So not only
0: is he jumping up and this leg's going, he also extends this leg. If you can't get that position in the air, then you need to go train your fucking splits. Like, no joke, if you want to have good kicks, you got to train your splits. you got to
2: stretch. So it's really as simple as that. <laughs> Very simple. <laughs> that's, he made it feel quite simple with that sort of...
1: So all you have to be able to do is a jump hook kick and do the splits. Yeah, and at the same time. easiest pie. And that's got 28,495 views. So that means 28,495 people are out there doing Van Damme kicks. Right then. now. Right, as we speak. As we
2: speak. It's science. We're probably There's probably a couple on the show listening. Mm-hmm. On the show. Well, not us. Not listening. us.
1: But you're out there listening to this podcast at the gym and you're like, I'm going to hit the bags. You do a
2: little spinny kicky. Yeah, right at the end. Mm.
1: <laughs> I did throw out a, the question to friends of the show on Instagram if they had any questions for us they want us to address. Yeah. Uh, why don't we hit some of those up? So oh, yeah. from Action Action Podcast. If JCVD was a snack, what kind of snack would he be? It's interesting. I think based on this film, he might be a beignet. Oh. Because it's topical. like the first one's delicious and leaves you a little white stuff under your nose.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was going to say he's… It's a joke about cocaine. He's like celery with cheese in the middle. Oh. Says nutritious and delicious. Yeah, and a little bit cheesy.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of cheese based snack at first.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, But he's like crispy and like healthy and good.
1: Yeah. This next question. (laughs) You need to edit that out? No, I will just repeat it. Um, (laughs) This next question, actually, very topical based off what we're just saying from JJ Helmer. Most pointless helicopter kick ever after you've already shot someone multiple times?
2: (laughs) It was amazing. He, guys, he shot this guy about eight <laughs> times and then he seals the deal with his big 360 splits. Bang.
1: I would argue it's never unnecessary,
2: never pointless. And, and the, the body count shows the old shooty-kicky combo yeah. is highly effective.
1: I, I liken it to basketball. You, do, you, do a, you don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. Mm. But the dunk doesn't get you more points. But it gets, you, it gets you gets you something flare. else. It gets you flair. I think especially
2: gets, gets you sponsorship dollars. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But yeah, so I, I think you know, there's always a point to a helicopter kick. Yeah. Even if you're kicking someone that's already dead. It, look, it's it's
2: fair you raise it. <laughs> um, but I think you should just have a bit more of a reflection on when is it not appropriate. Yeah.
1: Question from Yonzi. I'm assuming some time will be devoted to the mullet he's sporting ten years too late. That's a good point because mullets. It was. I don't think 1993 was like time for the mullet.
2: Well, it's I would a creative argue choice. when it's similar to the kick. When isn't it appropriate? I think the You, know what? you a bit make a, a good
1: point. They're making a
2: bit of Renaissance now, aren't
1: they? Yeah, and there's mullets for mental health now as like an initiative.
2: Is there? Yeah.
1: So I mean, I've got this thing going. So I haven't had a haircut for six months. I'm like, I feel like I need to do something with it rather than just get a normal haircut again.
2: Mm. You could just get get rid of them sideburns. <laughs> I said, get rid of those sideburns. <laughs> that was pretty good burn. That was good burns. Wow. I didn't know I had I it love in me. accidentals. I'm
1: never going to be able to do it again. Damn it! You
2: got it on camera. <laughs> yes, camera. <laughs> yeah. Camera. Mouth camera. Mouth camera.
1: Uh final question from m maestro eighty five Can you guys discuss the much wanted director's cut uh work print that is impossible to get? We mentioned this, and yeah, there's rumors that it is out there that some people have this mysterious original cut of the film that goes for nearly two hours and alleged, maybe there's buns in there. I don't know mm. um but we can speculate. maybe he bathes in a lake maybe he does anyway, thanks for your questions as always guys. Um, yeah, might be time for a verdict though. It is.
0: I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like you to answer the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor.
2: And that's all I have to say about that. Overall, what say you, Greg? It's, it's a yes. Just re-watch it. Yeah. What do you want? It's a Van Damme movie. kicks heaps of people. It's got a little bit of John Woo flair. Oh, can I just, we didn't comment on how in a true Western style, he, you know, you expose your pistol, you sort of draw oh, back your yeah. overcoat. He did that with his leg. Oh, showed I didn't his notice leg. that. This like is my, Angelina this Jolie. Is, this is my pistol. <laughs> That was it's amazing. So that reason alone, yeah, yeah rewatch watch it. Lance yeah. Henriksen's character's weird and awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think when, because um, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme episode, comparing it to other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, it is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different one. It's a bit different. So I think it, it's worth being in your Jean-Claude Van Damme collection,
2: yeah. I'd say. I agree. And a little, the, and slightly the mullet.
1: different flavour. New Orleans, the mullet, the John Woo flavour. The beignets. The beignets. Um, now just a couple of our final tests here. Did Simpsons do it? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Porn parody. I believe you did some research, Craig, uh, based on what popped up on your phone before.
2: I did, yeah. It came off my phone. Um, look, I didn't. I just Googled it in Pornhub and I managed to get Latina teen fucked hard in Target Bathroom. So it's
1: an adaptation.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. Target, bath- Target bathroom. Yeah, was the setting. Maybe you can edit some. Can yeah, That's quite punchy. <laughs> <Good one. laughs>
1: it's pretty hardcore. It's 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 very hardcore. We ask the question. We can't be afraid of the answer. That's true. We have to do the work. You've got to be willing to go there. Yeah. Bechtel test certainly not.
2: Well, hang on. Oh, um, you know, in I want to oh, the detective mansplain this. She speaks to
1: the detective about yeah, her dad. About her dad. But it's dad. I feel like that's... Uh, Six, well, it's what I said. I was like, it's about a dad. It's not like they're talking it's about some
2: person. cute guy. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure off camera they talked about how hot chances mullet is. <laughs> that's and, true. And they wanted to smash. but
1: I forgot to mention her too. She was a good character. So that was one of my things in this movie too. When she dies, when the guy gets hunted in the middle, you feel that shit. I think John Woo helped you... Feel that, yeah. You don't often feel that stuff yeah. in Django Unchained movies. They felt human. They felt human. Yeah. I kept thinking, she's not dead, is she? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's like hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and then when a bit like I was saying before, when um I thought the guy survived and then they killed him in the middle of the street, I was like, oh fuck. But then when Wilford uh, Brimley survived, I was so stoked. It yeah. was just like a real because it looked like he was going to die there for a second.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but then he, the liquor saved And it him. made
1: sense sort of with a John Cole Van Damme movie that he would
2: die. Yeah, he came in, one last help. And then yeah, die. yeah. I actually thought he died. <laughs> so, yeah. Well,
1: he walked out at the end. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, in my memory. Uh, yeah, yeah. In so, my memory. In my memory. effects um, test, I give it a big fat yes. Explosions. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So much explosion. So much explosions. I didn't do many recasts. My only recast was that Nick Cage could have played any of the bad guys.
2: I had the exact same one. Really? Yeah, I yeah. think it was hard not to after after, after I mean, been I fuck, wooed.
1: Face
2: off. I, I really felt like especially the main bad guy. He could have done Lance Henriksen. Yeah,
1: he could have done that and he could have done the mummy but that's too small of a part for him. Yeah. Let him fly.
2: Yeah. Um, it's one or the other. Yeah. Let him fly like a dove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MVP? I had Lance.
1: I had Wilford. Interesting. He was, it, he, it was a... The movie changed when he came in for me. Yeah. It was delightful. Sitting with his bow and arrow and his horse and all that shit great.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Any low-key VPs?
1: <clears throat> no.
2: <laughs> I had two. Yeah? Uh, the rattlesnake, obviously. Yeah. And the other was the um, one of the hunters. Um, in, in the last scene there's the five rich guy hunters. Four of them are in head-to-toe camo gear. As you would as a yeah. hunter. And the other guy's just wearing like a um, like a a bright it looked like a modern postmodern artwork.
1: I'm into it. I can't remember that. It was that just it was good. an
2: interesting take on a hunting outfit and I thought, you sir, know what's up. <laughs> so,
1: so he's your low
2: so, Yeah, he's my lucky E V P Yeah. Nice. Maybe we can find a shot of that for the gram.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll find it. Well that's it for another week, folks. Did you rewatch the movie this week? What do you think? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Does this belong in the in the in the Mount Rushmore of John Claude Van Damme movies? Does it belong in the Bayou
2: of Van Damme movies?
1: <laughs> um, hey, leave us a review if you if you can. Yeah, yeah. I'm I have lost steam. <laughs>
2: it Seems like if you can, or or uh, not. <laughs> had, whatever. So
1: I'm in that weird zone. I had beers at lunch. And And it's a late pod. And now I'm just tired. That's good. (laughs) Um, um, But next up, we're in our next batch of 10 here, which is pretty exciting. And the first one, first cab off the rank is one we've had a lot of requests for, Bill and Ted's Excellent
2: Adventure. Wow. Yeah. Instead of wow, it's wow. Wow. So stay tuned for that. there was wow,
1: there was Wow. Stay tuned for that. Hopefully, that's some um, something you guys want to hear because apparently Mars Attacks was not. <laughs> <laughs> the data doesn't lie. The data what are you doesn't doing? And maybe you haven't seen it in a while, but it's a curious thing to go revisit. Join us, explore it with us. It's Tim Boyton for fuck's sake. It's got everyone in it. You're gonna like someone in there. Go back and listen to that episode. Thank you. See you next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: For a popular movie. <laughs> we hope.
1: Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> do